Thank you for joining us. This is the third in a series of podcasts being recorded by the financial services team here at Shoesmiths. The first podcast was an introduction to the consumer duty and in our second instalment, we considered how the proposed consumer duty may impact on financial promotions advertising credit. Today, we are going to look at what the consumer duty will mean for the customer journey from application to signing the credit agreement. I am Rita Sheikh, a member of the Shoesmith Financial Services team, and I'm joined by Suzanne Taylor, a partner in our financial services team. So Suzanne, shall I start with a very quick recap of what the consumer duty is? Yes, that would be great. Please, Rita. The consumer duty is being proposed by the FCA to set a higher expectations for the standard of care that firms provide to retail customers. There are three main limbs to the proposals. One, the consumer principle. Two, the cross-cutting rules. And thirdly, the four outcomes. The consumer principle will be introduced as a new principle 12 of the FCA principles for business. The FCA originally set out two possible options for the wording of the principle, but has now settled on a firm must act to deliver good outcomes for retail customers. In terms of the cross-cutting rules, firms must act in good faith towards customers, avoid foreseeable harm to customers, and enable support to customers to pursue their financial objectives. These then break down further into four outcomes. We will focus on two of these outcomes today. The first of these outcomes being the product and services outcome. This is to ensure that products and services are specifically designed to meet the needs of consumers and that they're only sold to those whose needs they meet. The second of the outcomes being the consumer understanding outcome. This is all about communication with customers to ensure that they can make effective, timely and properly informed decisions about financial products and services. Suzanne, can you explain why these outcomes are so important for lenders designing a customer journey? Of course, Rita. Well, the first outcome you mentioned was the product and services outcome, that products must be designed to meet the needs of consumers and that they're only sold to those whose needs they meet. Now, if you consider a consumer credit product, they serve so many different purposes in society, from car finance to retail finance, credit cards, catalogue loans, overdraft facilities. There are so many different reasons why a consumer might need consumer finance. And because these products are all so mainstream, they'll be accessed by a diverse range of individuals, all at different stages of their lifetime. So the challenge for a consumer credit lender is how it ensures that its products meet the needs of such a diverse customer base, and how do they ensure the products are only sold to those whose needs they meet. Then we have to layer on the customer understanding outcome and consider how a lender can make sure that these customers, all with different needs, make effective and informed decisions about whether a product is right for them. What this means in practice is that lenders will have to move from thinking about implementing a one-size-fits-all process to thinking about the specific needs within their customer base and devise different processes to deal with these differing needs. And what we regularly see and hear from clients is that systems and processes are just not geared up to have lots of interchangeable journeys or pathways or present multiple forms of documentation to a customer. Fundamentally, the more moving parts a customer journey has, the more likely that something might go wrong resulting in a customer receiving the wrong information or worse, no information at all. It really is a challenge for our clients though, isn't it, Reader? A lot of the work we have seen over the last few years has been about digitalization of customer journeys. Particularly in the pandemic, clients who previously sold in face-to-face environments have had to move to online journeys, which are generally one size fits all catering for the masses rather than an individual. 
Distance selling just doesn't offer a lender the same touch points as a face-to-face journey does to assess whether a customer has particular needs or requires different support levels. This is a challenge where the FCA has said that they expect firms to put themselves in the consumer's shoes under the consumer duty principle. In practice, doing this requires a lender to put itself in lots of different pairs of shoes. So it's like designing an outfit which can be bought worn with a pair of trainers as well as a pair of stilettos. And that's going to be a real problem for our clients over the next few years. How do you think firms can ensure they are putting themselves in the shoes of their customer's reader? That's a really good question. Well, the FCA has said that it expects firms to ask themselves questions such as, would I be happy to be treated in the way my firm treats its customers? Or would I recommend my firm's products and services to my friends and family? However, there is a risk that asking these questions still may not reflect the diversity of a consumer credit lender's client base. These questions are a good starting point and may highlight unfair practices in lenders' products. But in our view, firms should be going further than these questions. They should be thinking about the diverse needs of their customer base. How can all these customers and their needs be served in the customer journey? The range of vulnerabilities which a customer may display are wide-ranging and will impact upon a customer in many ways. Some examples of vulnerabilities which may impact upon the customer journey are hearing or visual impairment, lower mental or cognitive capacity, poor literacy, low English language skills, or even poor digital skills. You talked earlier, Suzanne, about the challenges posed by one-size-fits-all journey. If a person is considering whether it would be happy to be treated the way it treats its customers, then it should be thinking about all its customers. Has a lender built in different procedures to deal with the needs of all these customers? So, for example, if a person has poor literacy skills, how can a lender explain the credit agreements in a more interactive way rather than simply requiring a person to read pages of explanation which the customer is unlikely to understand? Where a lender knows they have a number of customers with poorer English language skills, can they arrange for explanations of credit agreements to be made available in alternative languages or even prepare a fact sheet addressing the basic questions? Can lenders make use of other technologies such as animations or videos to explain credit agreements to customers? Lenders will need to be doing more under the consumer duty than they currently do to satisfy the products and services and the consumer understanding outcome. I agree, Reader. And I think you make a really interesting point there. But also, actually, you highlight another challenge for lenders. Consumer credit is in many ways unique from other regulated financial services products. Consumer credit agreements are subject to strict requirements about the content and the format of the agreements. In addition, there is a prescribed form pre-contract information from which lenders are simply not able to deviate. If a lender provides the pre-contract information or the credit agreement in a way which does not comply with the relevant regulations, then the credit agreement may be unenforceable. This means that consumer credit lenders simply do not have the same ability to be flexible about how they present their documents as other financial services providers do. Deviating from the required formal content has serious consequences in many cases. So if we think about this in light of the customer understanding and the products and services outcomes, lenders are required to consider whether a customer is likely to be able to make an informed decision from their consumer credit agreements. I think most lawyers in the consumer finance space recognise that consumer credit agreements are not the most user-friendly and could be easier to understand. In our view, the consumer duty means that lenders will need to layer the information which they provide to customers. And this builds on all the points you raised earlier, reader, about the use of fact sheets or animations 
to explain to customers using other more interactive forms of disclosure right at the start of a customer journey means that a customer can decide at the outset whether a credit product is right for them. Lenders should then build on this with clear explanations about potential risks of the product early and throughout the customer journey. At the point in time where the credit agreements are presented to the customer, the customer should already have a really good understanding of how the product will work and its principal risks. The FCA does acknowledge in its consultation paper that it will continue to work with the government on consumer credit reform. This is critical and it's something that the industry as a whole is pushing for and certainly we are also pushing for. But in the meantime, it's clear that lenders will have to layer other explanations into their customer journey in addition to the required consumer credit documents. And in addition to that, Suzanne, lenders will also need to be mindful of how customers are accessing this information, won't they? Increasingly, customers are using smartphones or tablets to navigate online customer journeys. Lenders need to make sure that their customer journeys would display properly on whatever device a customer is using. All information must be displayed on the smartphone screens. A customer journey should be set out in a way that a customer cannot just click through the journey without reading. We know consumer credit customer journeys can take a long time to complete for a customer and each friction within the journey means that a customer may choose not to proceed with the journey. Because of that, lenders are often keen to have a quick and easy customer journey. Once the consumer duty has been introduced, lenders will need to consider whether the balance between a quick and efficient journey and a customer understanding the product is correct. For example, we often recommend that clients build checks into their customer journeys, such as timers, before moving on to their next document to ensure that a customer spends enough time on the customer journey to read the various consumer credit agreements. I agree, Reader. And another aspect of the customer journey which lenders may fall into a trap of applying a one-size-fits-all process is assessing affordability. Where a lender offers lower-value consumer finance loans, um, typically at point of sale, they will often perform a credit check and ask a customer for basic information about their income and maybe their expenditure as part of the customer journey. We've seen the FCA and the financial ombudsman persistently focusing on affordability over the last few years. And again, recently, with the focus on the potential risks of buy now, pay later, with customers taking out a high number of loans that they simply can't afford. Lenders should consider what information they request from the customer as part of their customer journey. Does a customer understand what information is being asked for? Do they understand why this information is being requested? Do they understand why the information is important and that it's been collected for their benefit? Where a lender uses open banking, for example, to access the customer's bank account information to assess affordability, does a customer understand and consent to how their bank account information is being used? Again, ease and speed of journey is often a key focus for lenders, but the information gathering of income and expenditure can often be just a quick throwaway screen in an online journey. Lenders will need to consider whether this is appropriate and how they could better explain why this information is being collected and how they can identify customers who have low or erratic income or high indebtedness without having that face-to-face contact. So in my view, reader, more focus on assessing affordability is one way in which lenders can look at their processes um, to prepare for the consumer duty. What else do you think lenders could be doing now? Well, the consumer duty is to come into effect on the 30th of April in 2023. Now, this may seem a long time away, but we recommend lenders start looking at this now. There's a lot of preparatory steps a lender can take to make the transition to the consumer duty simpler. There are some things that you may want to consider, and these are assessing the demographics of your customer base. Who are your customers now? Do you know what vulnerabilities exist within the customer group? What channels do different sections of your customer base use? 
Obtaining this information now will assist in designing the customer journey for these diverse customers. What does customer feedback or market research tell you about your products? Are there areas of the product which customers are frequently asking questions about? What are customers complaining about? Are you gathering social media feedback and making the best use of it? These should be good indicators of a lack of understanding or even unsuitability of products. What behaviour insights do you have to assess customer interactions and drop-off rates? Can you measure at what stages of your online customer journey customers may drop out currently? What information do you have about the risks or benefits of different sales channels? I agree, Reader. And if you don't have that information currently, then lenders should complete testing to make sure they get hold of that information now. Testing is going to be so critical under the consumer duty to demonstrate to the FCA that a lender has a reasonable basis to show that the lender is implementing the four customer outcomes and is able to evidence that to the FCA. File reviews have always been critical, but in particular, lenders should spend the next year reviewing files, conducting call monitoring, focusing in particular on whether customers have received good customer outcomes. If you don't currently use focus groups as a lender or mystery shopping, then think about how you can make better use of both of those things specifically to test whether customers are receiving good customer outcomes. Build your compliance review reports and your audits now so that they can be used to demonstrate good customer outcomes right from the start from April 2023 next year. As staff involved in sales processes for honest feedback, your call centre staff, your store, dealership staff will all have lots of feedback about what customers find challenging. Ask these individuals for improvements to your processes. And when that testing is complete, then ask yourselves, what could we have done differently in these test cases to drive a better outcome for the customer? What innovations could we have introduced to communicate differently or more efficiently with customers? Are your current credit documents communicating risks adequately to customers? Have the risks of your product changed since you launched it? And do the documents require an update as a result? Does the formulaic nature of your consumer credit documentation communicate effectively with customers? Asking yourselves these questions now will put you in a good position to implement the consumer duty in April 2023. I think the other thing that's worth mentioning, reader, is that the FCA have themselves acknowledged that the consumer duty will be an ongoing journey. Firms and the FCA will be learning together and the FCA will continue to update its guidance in this area. So April 2023 is very much the start of the journey for lenders and it's very much not the end. Thank you, Suzanne, and thank you all for listening. We hope you find this podcast useful. Of course, if you need any assistance with anything we've talked about today, please do check out Shoesmith's Consumer Duty Hub on our website or do get in touch with us and we'd be very happy to help. Listen out for our next instalment where we talk about how the consumer duty will affect lenders' processes when things go wrong.